All right, high school, middle schoolers, you excited about this morning, being back from Rush Camp? Very good. Hey, we had a blast this past week, and uh, I know that uh, many of you uh, who were there, you got to experience just all that God was doing. I know uh, your parents were glad to have you back home and uh, missed you tremendously, right, parents? How come they were more enthusiastic than you are? I don't get that. That's, that's kind of weird. Hey, I want to I want I want to say something that uh, many of you did not realize. Uh, our students know this, but last Sunday morning uh, during church, James uh, Griffin, our high school pastor, his brother-in-law, twenty-three-year-old brother-in-law, died, and um, James did what he needed to do. Stayed home to be with his wife, family. Did the funeral. Um, was not at Rush all week long, and um, his priority is his family, and that we made sure that that was uh, where he needed to be. But I want to tell you something. My man Brad Chandler, who was standing out here a few moments ago, who grew up in this church as a high school student, uh, became one of our interns, and then became a middle, our middle school pastor. I watched that boy, boy go from being a boy to a man to a husband to now being a, getting ready to be a new daddy, to being a phenomenal leader. And he did a great job running point on Rush Camp. And all of you just need to give him a big hand. Thank, thank you. Awesome job. And I see my boy, James Griffin, sitting right over there, and we missed you. But I want to tell you, James, God used James in a tremendous way this past week to speak to several hundred uh, other students that truly needed Christ and God knew all of that beforehand. So we appreciate James and Amber and our prayers have been with you over this past week. And I know you high school students and parents love on him as well. And just both he and Amber. So we love you both as well. Okay. Well, Hey, listen, I want to tell you what we did. Uh, uh, several weeks ago, we decided to switch gears and, uh, we do that from time to time at Westridge and my staff knows that every once in a while that happens. And we were getting ready to roll into a, a, a summer long series, and I won't even tell you what it was called. We're going to use it later. But I decided, along with some of our other folks, that we, what we needed to do more than anything else this summer is we needed to celebrate God. We needed to celebrate what, what he is to, what he has been to us, what he is to us right now. We needed to celebrate his faithfulness to us. Um, we've had a lot of transitions and things going on in our church, and I wanted to spend the summer celebrating and having a party and just, just talking about the greatness and the glory of God. So there's inflatables and cars and all, all over, the, all over the, the place this morning, and our kids are getting you know, ice cream or whatever that looks like. Um, but we're going to spend the summer talking about God and how awesome and how great he is. And I can't think of a better way to do that than to talk about the names of God. And so all summer long, you don't want to miss one of these weeks. We're going to be rolling out a series on the, the, the individual names of God and how they interact with our life on an everyday basis. Now, um, for those of you who, who don't know me, maybe this is the first time you've ever been to Westridge Church, my name is Brian John Bloy. Um, John, the reason I said Brian John Bloy, um, because John is a very significant name in my family. Uh, my dad's name is John. My grandfather, my dad's dad, his, we, we called him Jack, um, but his name was John. Matter of fact, I've traced the Bloys all the way back to the 10 hundreds, early 10 hundreds in England. And the name John runs through my family all the way back. Um, my son Taylor's name 
Even though we call him Taylor, his name is John Taylor because the name John has meaning. It has significance in the Bloy household. Now, my other son, Zach, who's going to be, um, he's going to be 13 this, at the end of this month. Uh, his name is Zachary Gray Bloy, and the name Gray is, has significance in, in my wife's side of the family. My, my, my wife's brother, David, who is a major in the Air Force, um, but he, his name is, is David Gray Mills. My father-in-law's uh, name is Max Grayson Mills. So the name Gray has meaning. It has significance in our family. In the Bible, God himself has over a hundred different names and they all have meaning. They're all very significant and they're all, they're used at different times in different scenarios throughout the Bible to depending on whatever circumstances uh, that, you know, we see the Bible uh, talking about. And they're all, they're all a description of his character or, or, or an activity that God is involved in. Now, I told you a moment ago, my name is Brian. However, um, I'm also a pastor. And so around here, um, most of you adults call me Brian. A lot of the students who have grown up here in this church call me Pastor Brian. Um, and so I am a shepherd over a flock of people here at Westridge Church. Um, for many years, I, I was a coach. And so uh, a lot of the kids around the community that uh, I've coached over the years, and even before, uh, when I first got into ministry, I was a high school coach. And so kids that, that I've known over the years and kids around this community, when they see me, they go, hey, Coach Brian. And uh, they have no idea, even some of them, that, uh, that some of you call me pastor. Um, but I lead a church, and you're sitting in it this morning called Westridge Church. And my title here is lead pastor, and some of my staff jokingly call me boss. Um, to my wife, I'm a husband, and she uh, most of the time just calls me stud muffin or love puppy. I mean, that's um, um, not really. Um, I'm a father, as, as I mentioned, to two boys, Taylor and Zach, and um, they, they, just, they just call me dad. And of all of the things that I do and of all of the names that I have, probably my favorite uh, titles are um, husband and dad. And I, and I, and I just, I, I love those two titles right there. But even though my name is Brian, I have different roles. I have, I have there, there are names that describe the roles that I play. And I want you to know that God is the very same way. Um, if someone needed guidance in their life, they would call for Jehovah Roy, the Lord that is my shepherd. If um, someone needed prov- a provider, they would call on Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. If someone needed peace in their life, who would they call on? They would call on Jehovah Shalom, the God who is the, the Lord of peace. If someone needed a healer, they would call on Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. If someone needed um, uh, to be led away from sin, you would call on Jehovah uh, Sidkenu, the Lord of righteousness. It, it, how about a God that would set you apart from the world? How about a God that would take you and put anointing over you and, and, and place his hand on your life so that you could do powerful things? If you were, were, were engaged with a God like that, he would be called Jehovah Mishkadishkim. Uh, now, I want you to check out how these names go together in one of the most famous passages of scripture in Psalm chapter 23. If you have a Bible, you can go there. And I want you to see King David and how he called upon and used these different names as he was running from his son Absalom who was trying to kill him. Now, in verse 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. Who are we talking about here? Jehovah Roy. I shall not want Jehovah Jireh. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He's the God of peace. He's Jehovah Shalom. 
He restoreth my soul. He brings healing to me. He is Jehovah Rapha. He leadeth me beside paths of righteousness for his namesake. Jehovah Sidkenu. And then he says, thou anointest my head with oil. He sets me apart and he empowers me. He is Jehovah Mishkadeshkim. See, he's the same God, different names to be used at different times. All very important, all very significant. All describing his character, all describing his personality, or a role that he plays in the grand scheme of life or in the universe. Now, I told you just a moment ago that that my name, my proper name is Brian John Bloy. However, if God had a proper name, a name that stood out above every other name that you see in the Bible, his name would be Yahweh. That's Hebrew. In the English, it's pronounced Jehovah. Today, we would just simply say Lord. Everything that is connected to that name is a description of his character or the role that he plays in the universe. Yahweh, or a variation of the name Yahweh, is used over 6,800 times in the Bible. Every time that you see it, it's in capital letters and it has no vowels. matter of fact, it looks just like that. Y-H-W-H. When it stands alone, it just simply means to be. It means to live. It implies that God in his essence is life and that life is found in him alone. In other words, he is self-existent. He needs nothing. Everything he needs to exist is found within himself. Now, back in the days when scripture was, was being lived out and written, the Jews considered the name Yahweh so sacred and so holy that they wouldn't even pronounce it out loud. They wouldn't even re- read it out loud because they were afraid that somehow they would show, show Yahweh, God, disrespect. Matter of fact, there was only one day in the year, the day of atonement, where they could actually read his name out loud. When the sacred writers, the scribes, when they would copy down scriptures, they would stop and they would take a bath before writing the name Yahweh. They wanted to make sure they were clean before they actually ever wrote that name down. They would also use a new pen every time they wrote the name Yahweh, and then they would destroy the pen afterwards. Now that's a far cry from how we throw that name around today, isn't it? We throw that name around pretty casually during a meal without even thinking about who we're talking to. Or sometimes we'll flippantly, or you might, or someone else might flippantly just use that word along with a slang saying, like something like, oh my Lord, or something like that, or, 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 or we'll even attach it to a cuss word. The third commandment says, do not ever misuse the name of the Lord, of Yahweh. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. In other words, do not treat his name with emptiness or without value. We, we are never to attach the name Yahweh to anything that represents emptiness. Matter of fact, Isaiah chapter 42 verse 8 says, God says this, he says, I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. That is my name. I will not give my glory to another. I will not give my praise to idols or graven images. In other words, I am the Lord. I am a big deal. You are not and don't ever forget it. You hear what I'm saying to you? That's what the Lord's saying right there. Now, I think one of the reasons why we've lost respect for the name of the Lord is because either either he's, he's not that big of a deal to us or he has become way too small to us. And there are people all over this world, people in this room right now that have needs. You have needs, I have needs. And for many, many people, they have not found God big enough to meet their needs. 
For some people, they have the wrong picture of God. For some people, he's this police officer that's just waiting to bust them um, for, for bad behavior. He's like the cop sitting on the sideline with, the, with a radar gun, just waiting to see what you're going to do so he can pull you over and just ticket you. Some people see him like a holy vending machine. When we need a treat or a snack, we come to him and we pull the lever and he gives us exactly what we want, like a genie in the bottle. For some people, God's our homeboy. He's our fist bump buddy. He's our God. He's our bud. He's our dude. For other people, we see him as this big mean being in the sky that wants to ruin our joy and keep us from having fun. And so because we have this messed up view of God or we have made him too small, what have we done? We've put him in a box. We've become like a prisoner behind our bars of unbelief or our sinfulness. We've shrunken him down to this little, little, little bitty, tiny God that could never, ever, ever, ever in our, in, in our wildest dreams be big enough to handle our massive, huge, enormous problems. Can I tell you something? If you have that mindset today, that's arrogance. I want to tell you something. Over the next several weeks throughout this summer, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take Yahweh out of the box that you have put him in. And we are going to set him free from our wrong thoughts and our wrong ideas that we might have about him. And we're going to set him free to be the God that he really is, the God who rules and reigns over everything in creation, over everything in the universe, including you and your problems. And we're going to release him to be the God of our lives instead of the God of our notions. Now, we're going to... Uh, go back to a story that we actually looked at a few months ago. We did a series called Momentum and we talked about um, the, the life of Moses. And um, in Exodus chapter 3, we're going to go back and we're going to look at a story that we talked about back then. Paul, actually, Paul did it. Pa- Paul Richardson spoke that morning. And, um, but we're going to kind of take a different angle on it. We want to look at the name of God. Now, again, in the book of Exodus, um, and if you weren't here during that series, this is new information to you, but in the book of Exodus chapter 3, there's a guy named Moses. And Moses was an Israelite. The Israelites were slaves to the Egyptians for over 400 years. And Moses grew up in Egypt in Pharaoh's presence. He was like a brother to Pharaoh. And one day Moses gets mad at an Egyptian because he's mistreating an Israelite slave and he kills him. And as a result, Moses leaves the palace and he goes into hiding and he hides for 40 years. For 40 years, he is serving as a shepherd over another man's flock. And one day, he's living, here he is living like, like, like a, a, a prince in Pharaoh's palace. The next day, he's, he's a criminal hiding out on the backside of the desert, watching over a, just a, a big flock of stinky, smelly sheep. He has become a man without purpose. He's become a failure in his mind. He's become a man who is just drifting, a man who seems to have nothing going for him in, in life. His problems and his issues were too big for God because he had taken God, he had taken Yahweh, and he had put him in a box that was much, much smaller than his issues and his problems. And here you have this guy who can't see a way out. He can't see a way out of his meaningless life. He can't see a way out out of his failures because the God that he worshipped was way too small. He was not powerful enough. He was not strong enough. He was way too far off. In other words, he was totally disconnected in Moses' mind from what was going on in Moses' life. And then all of a sudden, one day something happens to him. One day here he is. He's out watching over his father-in-law's flock. And he has an encounter with Yahweh. The Lord appears to him in a bush that's on fire. And Moses realizes not only is the bush on fire, but it's not burning up. And so what does he do? He check, he walks over and he checks it out. 
And as he gets closer to him, a voice comes out of the bush. And here's kind of how it sounds. Moses. It's kind of weird, isn't it? We're thinking Charlton Heston right now, aren't we? This voice comes out of this bush and says, Moses. And Moses says, here am I. I mean, can you imagine this? I mean, here you are. You're thinking you're out for 40 years. You've been forgotten. God's just, he's a distant figure out and, you know, somewhere out there that has no connection to you. And all of a sudden he is standing in front of a bush and the voice in, Mo, in Exodus chapter three, verse five says, do not come any closer and take off your sandals because where you are standing is holy ground. And then the voice introduces himself. And he says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And when Moses heard this, what did he do? He hid his face. He took his hands and he covered his face. And the Bible says, why? Because he was afraid to look at the face of the Lord. And God told him, he says, listen, I've been watching. I've been watching the misery of my people, the Israelites. I have heard their cries and I am deeply concerned about their suffering. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to free them. I want you to deliver them out of Egypt. I want you to get them the heck out of Dodge. I want you to lead them into a land of their own, a promised land, a land that is so awesome that the Bible describes it as a land that flows with milk and honey. And Moses said to God, he says, who am I? Who am I, God, that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? I mean, God, I don't know if you know this. They're the greatest power in the world. They're way too big. In other words, God, they're way too big and you are way too small. The box that I have put you in isn't big enough. And God says to him, I will be with you. Matter of fact, I will give you a sign to prove that it's me. When you come out of Egypt, we're going to get back together again. You will worship me, we'll worship together on this mountain that you're standing on right now. And in Exodus chapter 3 verse 13, Moses then says, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, well, what's his name? What, it is, what is his name? What, then, then what should I tell them? And I love this response. God says to Moses, I am who I am. That is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation to generation. And you're sitting here as one of these generations and we are called upon to remember this name. In other words, Moses tell them that Yahweh has sent you. Now there are a couple of things that this story reveals about Yahweh. There are five things that we need to consider as we talk about this name. One of the things we need to consider is that the name Yahweh is very personal. Yahweh came to Moses in a burning bush and called him into the presence to talk with him. He didn't scare him. He didn't jump out from you know, beyond a tree to startle him. He came to him in a way that showed Moses exactly who he was. And when he did that, there was absolutely no doubt in Moses' mind who he was talking to. And it immediately caused him to be fearful in a good way and to show respect because it was very personal. I want to tell you something. Look at me for a moment. I believe this summer, this summer, Yahweh is going to engage you in a very personal way. He wants to speak with you. He wants to tell you something. He has something that he wants to reveal to you. 
all summer long, whether it's in this auditorium, whether you normally attend the West Campus, whether you normally are, maybe you attend the Cartersville Campus, wherever it is that you are in this auditorium, or if it's in a Bible study, or maybe you're sitting out alone at your kitchen table or out on your back deck, wherever and whenever you meet with God, that this summer is going to be your burning bush. And it is going to be where God will meet you in a very personal way and will speak to you in a very personal way, maybe in a way that you've never heard him speak before. The question is, are you willing to listen? Very personal. Number two, Yahweh is very particular. When Moses came closer to the bush to see what was going on, what happened? God says, take off your sandals, Moses, because you are now standing on holy ground. In other words, Moses, I want you to know something. I am way too powerful, way too pure, way too holy for you to walk flippantly or to walk arrogantly into my presence. So when you come into my presence, I want you to take your sandals off. Why? As a sign of respect, as a sign that you are in God's presence, as a sign that you recognize just how big I am and just how small you are. You are stepping out of your humanity and you are stepping into the holiness of God. It's a sign that says, Moses, I am holy and you are not. And listen, what? I, that's how I want to challenge you to, to come into Yahweh's presence this summer. Whether it's in this auditorium, whether it's on your back deck, whether it's at your kitchen table, whether it's at your Bible study, I'm going to challenge you when you come before Yahweh, I'm going to challenge you to respect his glory, to come into his presence with some fear of his holiness. Listen, Yahweh is not your homeboy. He's not your dude. He's not your boy. He's not your fist bump buddy. He's not, he is, he is, I am. That's who he is. He is, I am. He needs nothing from you. He doesn't exist for you. He is the God and the creator of you and everything in this universe that you see and outside of your sight all belongs to him and was created by him. (laughs) Yahweh is very purposeful. God revealed his exact detailed plan for Israel. Moses was obviously excited about God's plan until he realized that it involved him. And Moses says, God says, Moses, here's what I'm about to do. And oh, by the way, Moses, it's going to involve you. Listen, God's plan always involves freeing people. That always involves bringing people out of slavery. His plan always involves bringing people out of bondage, out of their sin. It always involves bringing redemption to lost people. And are you ready for this? It's always going to involve you. God has a plan to set your neighborhood free from the slavery of sin. It involves you. God has a plan to set your workplace free from the slavery of sin. It involves you. God has a plan to set Northwest Atlanta free from the slavery of sin. It involves all of us. If you are a student, look at me, students. God has a plan to set your school free from the slavery of sin. And the next summer or next fall, when you go back to school, it's going to involve you. And I know some of you are sitting there thinking, wait a minute. Right now, I'm just a housewife. I'm just a businessman. I'm just a businesswoman. I'm just a soccer mom. I'm just a little league baseball coach. I'm just a student. All of those things are great, but that's not your purpose in life. That should not define who you are. That should not be your identity. 
If you are a son or you are a daughter of Yahweh, the calling on your life is to help people, help to set people free from their sin. It's about his kingdom, not yours. That's the calling on your life. For some of you, listen, this summer, God is going to be very specific about what you're supposed to do to help him. He's going to put some names on your heart and who you're supposed to go talk to. Now, I'm, I'm going I'm to do something here that uh, I don't normally like to do, but I'm, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to lay a little guilt on you. Ready? You ready to go? Pack your bag. My, my dad used to say, pack, pack your bags. We're going on a guilt trip. Every summer for the last several years, we've been doing a thing called rush. Or not, uh, not rush, we've been doing that, but we've been doing a thing called surge as well. We got, all, we got almost 900, 900, six, uh, how old are they? Kindergarten through sixth grade. Kindergarten through sixth grade, fifth graders. Kindergarten through fifth graders. And week after week, we're standing up here begging adults to be small group leaders. At the end of this message, Brent's going to bring out a dog. Last week, he brought out a chicken. Enough of the dog and pony show. Okay, we're going to do it because it's funny. Look at me, adults. We should never in this church ever, ever, ever have to beg any of you to come and to work alongside children who need Jesus Christ to be their personal savior. When we got opportunities to come alongside and say, listen, in the evening for a whole week, you got, you got a chance to invest in kids, to share with them a truth that's going to set their life free and may impact their mom and dad to the place where a mom and dad comes to know Christ. When we put that out in front of you, you should be getting up and running out of here going, sign me up. And we're 39 workers short right now. And I swear, if we're 39 workers short by the end of this day, I'm coming to your house if you haven't signed up. Now, I'm really not going to do that. But do you get where I'm coming from? Listen, when there are young kids whose lives, they're coming to us. They want to learn sports. They want, but at the end of the day, what we're going to share with them is the life-changing gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And we have an opportunity to be part of that. We should never, ever have to beg in this church for adult workers. We should have more than we need. When it comes to rush camp, we should have people going, sign me up, do whatever, I'm ready to go. That's what we have been put on this earth to do. And let's stop, let's, let, it's not about us. We get about 75, 80 years to make it count. And so many people in this world, I'm going off notes now, so many people in this world, we sit back and we go, I'm going to see how many of these 75 to 80 years I can make all about me and building my kingdom and see what I can do. And I can tell you at the end of most of their lives, they feel empty. You want to feel, per- you, want to, you want to get to the end of your life and feel like you've made it count? You pour yourself out for Jesus Christ and start investing in others and sharing the gospel with everyone that comes around you. And you'll get to the end of your life and you'll go, I just wish I had one more day to share with one more person. Because you will go to heaven and you will go, I made it count. All right, now. Okay. Back to my notes. You should be running out of here right now, going signing up for surge camp. I'm just kidding. Number four, Yahweh is patient. God knows you're scared. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your failures. He's watched everything you've done since the last time we were together, last week. 
He's heard every word you've said, every place that you've gone, he's gone with you. Listen, God knows you're not perfect. He knows you're never going to be perfect. He knows, he knows that what he's calling you to do, the calling that he's put on your life, not to be in full-time ministry. Every one of us are in full-time ministry. Maybe it's not working for a church, but he, listen, he knows. He knows that what he's calling you to do is awesome. It's way beyond your own ability. He knows you can't pull it off in your own strength. What he wants to know from you is, are you willing to adjust your plans, your dreams, and your will to his plans and his will for your life? And I know for some of you, it scares you to death because some of you are thinking, if I do that, what if God takes me away from my dream of being this or that and he makes me do something I hate? If that's what you're thinking, your God's too small. What if God asked me to do something different than what I planned? If that's what you're thinking, you put God in a box. What if I'm planning on living it up? I've got a few, you know, well, here's the deal. Here's where I am. I've got a couple years, you know, I'm just in college or I'm just getting out of college. I'm going to live it up, do my own thing, see how much of this life I can grab, get it all with all my gusto, and then I'll come back to God. What if I do it right? What if I, what if I get on board with what God wants right now and God robs me of my plan? If that's your view, your view of God is wrong and it's messed up. Listen, if you will say yes to what, whatever Yahweh puts in front of you, I promise you, you will not be disappointed. He is not going to let you down. Listen to a promise that he made to the Israelites years and years and thousands of years ago. This is the kind of God we serve. Their story is our story. Jeremiah chapter 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. So what do I do with that? How should I approach him throughout this series? Here's what you do. You come into his presence every single Sunday. Every time you're on your back porch. Every time you're at your kitchen table. Whatever Bible study you're in. And you say yes to him before the question ever goes out. You put a blank sheet of paper in front of him and say, Lord, I don't even know what you're going to ask me to do, but here's what I'm doing. I'm writing yes on it. Because you are a God that just, I mean, wants to blow my mind. If you'll walk into his presence all year long, all this, all summer long with hands wide open, heart wide open, I promise you God will turn your world upside down in an amazing way. Why? Because he's powerful. He's purposeful. But he's very patient. And I want you to understand this. He's not going to accept excuses. He's not going to accept our bantering with him and trying to change his plan. You know, God, I'll do this, but you've got to do this for me. God, I'll tell you what, here's what we'll do. I'll trade you this, you give me this. Listen, God's not into that kind of negotiating. What God wants from us, he wants our obedience. And if your God is big enough, if Yahweh is your God and you see him for who he truly is, then you can trust him. Now you might say, how in the world could God ever use me? Listen, God can use anyone. And I know, listen, some of the reasons, you know, when we talk about surge camp, rush camp, whatever this, some of you, you struggled getting involved or doing this and that because you look at yourself and you go, how could God ever use me? Can I tell you something about this book? This book right here is all about God using messed up average people to accomplish amazing things. Have you ever looked at the names that are found in this book and the stories? Most of these people would not pass the Paulding County Sheriff Department background check. And yet God is the master of taking messed up people who just feel inadequate, feel like they don't know, you know, and just using them to do amazing things. You say, why, why did he do that? Because these people said yes to him. They had faith. Even Moses, he said, God, I can't even speak. 
but I'll do it. God used him in an amazing way. Here's what you need to understand about Yahweh. If you don't get anything else, Yahweh is very, very, very powerful. And if he calls you to do something, if he gives you something to do, he will supply everything you need. He will give you his name. He will give you his power. He will give you permission to succeed in whatever he calls you to do. Ultimately, listen, following God and putting your trust in him all boils down to this one thing. Whether you believe, he, whether he said, whether you believe that he is who he says he is, whether you believe he is Yahweh, the self-existent one, That life and everything around truly is in his hands. That this universe is truly in his hands. That it's under his care. That you, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, are written, as the Bible says, you are written in the palm of his hands. And so, is your God in a box? If you have put Yahweh in a box, you will never see his glory in your life you will never truly see just how awesome he is. You're never going to see how much he wants to help you or the amazing plan that he has for your life until you let him out and allow him to be the God that he truly wants to be in your life. And I know some of you are sitting in here thinking, you know what, Brian? I mean, I had this conversation with some students this past week. I don't see how God could forgive me. I don't see how God could meet my needs. Brian, you have no idea what I've done. Your God's too small if you think that. If you think your problem, I'm going to say this to you because I love you, okay? Look at me. If you think your problems are bigger than Yahweh's ability to forgive and to move you beyond them, your biggest issue is pride. That's arrogance to think that somehow or another what you've done is beyond Yahweh's ability to forgive. If you think your inadequacies or your failures are beyond Yahweh, then you got bigger problems. Because I'm telling you something, Yahweh wants to use people just like you. People who have some failures in their life, some mess ups. I could sit here all day long and tell you about all the stupid, sinful things that I've done in my past. I'm shocked. I'm, you know, I, I have some friends that hung out with me in college. Some of them are in ministry and we just laugh and we just go, who'd ever thunk it? You know what I am? When I, I'm just a trophy of God's grace. And so are you. But you've got to start trusting in the right thing. And you've got to start realizing that we serve a God that is so much bigger than your problems, your needs, your inadequacies. And you need to start putting your trust fully in him. You need healing. That's a good time to clap. Listen, you need healing in your life. Listen, we got Jehovah Rapha. You need provision. You pray to Jehovah Roy. You want God's power on your life. You pray to, 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 to let me see if I can remember it. Jehovah Meshkeshkadem. You need someone to pull you out of your sin. Jehovah Sidkenu. Some of you need peace in your life. The peace of God that passes all understanding. You need Jehovah Shalom. There's over a hundred of these names. And we can pray to all of them. And they all have amazing power. 
In Westridge Church, we need to stop living so powerless and so discouraged and so feeling like here we are in this world with this amazing power in our lives called the Holy Spirit connected to the greatest power that the world will ever, ever, ever know and can't even get their minds around it because it's way too big called Yahweh. That's who we serve. That's who we're connected to. That's the God that you belong to. And that's the power that we need to start living in. And it's not about us. And this world will never be about us. And God wants to take your life, whatever you may think about it, and he wants to connect it up to the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants to set you apart. And he wants to give you purpose and a plan and a will that will blow your mind. If you will stop for a moment, stop trying to build your own kingdom, take a blank piece of paper, write yes on it, say, God, I don't even know what the question is, and let God lead you. It'll blow your mind. That's the God we serve. So, over the next few weeks, we're going to celebrate Yahweh. We're going to lift up Yahweh. We're going to pump up Yahweh. When you come into this room, when you come into this building, we start singing about his name. You get ready to come into the presence of the Lord. You want to take off your sandals? That's fine. Just make sure you wash your feet before you come in here, okay? All right, let's pray. One of the great things about God, maybe the greatest thing about God, is he purposefully provided a plan for people like us to know him in a personal way. And sometimes we take that for for granted, I know, because many of you have been saved for years. awesomeness of that fact sometimes escapes us. But I want you to think about it for a moment. That the God of the universe loved you enough when you couldn't get to him to send his son Yeshua Jesus to die and to to sacrifice for your sin the sin of unbelief the sin of rejecting God And this morning, this Yahweh offers you his very own son, Jesus, who wants to invade your life, who wants to come in and through the power of the Holy Spirit, change you from the inside out, forgive you of the sin of rejecting Jesus and put you on a new path. You say, how do I do this? Here's where we we go. You want to pray with me? Here's where we start. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. Just pray that. I repent. I repent of my sin of rejecting you. I want you to be the God of my life. Yahweh, invade me. I believe that your son, Jesus, is the son of God. I believe that what he did for me on the cross was enough to pay for all of my sins. And I put all of my faith and all of my trust in him at this very moment. And I want you right now, if you just, if you just pray that prayer, just, you just keep thanking him. Just pray. And here's what I want you to do. In your worship guide, there's a connection card. Check the box on the, on the card that says, Today I, I asked Jesus to be my personal Savior. I want you to take that to the help center at the end of the, 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 the service. And um, 
we've got something we want to give you to get started on this journey. We want to partner with you. We're going to have some life care ministers on both sides of the auditorium at the end. Listen, Brent, Brent and, and Andrew are going to come out and talk a little bit about Surge Camp. I, I'm, I'm dead serious when I say this. Let's don't let the children of this community truly have to group up with the groups that are way too big because we can't find adults in a church of over 5,000 people to minister to kids all over this community. We should be jumping at that. What an opportunity we have to share the greatest word, the greatest news with some kids who have never heard before that could absolutely take their life and send it on a completely different path and change a family, change generations. Some of you, I know, listen, I, I know you, you, you have issues, you've got needs this morning, you've got problems that you feel are way bigger than, than Yahweh's ability to, for, to forgive or to, to help or to heal. Take him out of the box you have him in. Set him free to rule and reign in your life and trust him. Trust him. Father, we pray today that you reveal yourself to us in a way that we've never seen before. Lord, there are folks in here who have, are struggling with doubt, with discouragement. Folks in here who are struggling with finances, Lord, struggling with marital issues, struggling with kid issues, Lord, struggling with, with relational issues at work. And we walk around feeling like you're not big enough to deal with this. Lord, we, we ask for your forgiveness for that. We've put you in a box that's way too small. Our view of you is way too small. Lord, would you reveal yourself to us in a way that blows our minds and may we respond to it in a way that truly pleases you. We thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said together.